In this episode, we are discussing the mind. We hear a lot in the intuitive world about body, mind, and spirit. So I thought we'd do a deep dive on how the mind works and how it relates to who you are. So this is a two-part series, so make sure you check in next week to join the conversation in part two. This is Heather Wood and Jamie Hayhurst, and this is the Intuitive Girl's Guide. Hey, Jamie. I want to talk about the mind and like how it connects to who you are, um, what it what it means to talk about the mind. Like we talk about body, mind, spirit in the intuitive world all the time, but sometimes I think those terms just get kind of thrown around and mixed together. What do you think? Ooh, I love this topic. Okay. And I'm going to kind of take you on a journey through my own mind. <laughs> Okay. Because what I did to to sort of research this was kind of like look at what questions I had and sort of answer them as I went. So hopefully that makes sense for you guys. So not only are we talking about the mind, but you get a little glimpse into how my mind likes to deep dive on things. Perfect. Okay. So the first question I had about the mind was really like, what's the difference between the brain versus the mind? Because don't you feel like people just use them interchangeably like they're the same thing? Aren't they the same thing? No, they're not. What? <laughs> wow. Okay. So the brain, I'm going to I'm going to tell you the actual definition of a of the brain and then we can like discuss what that means in real people speak, okay? Okay. So the brain is the organ of soft nervous tissue contained in the skull or vertebrates, functioning as the coordinating center of sensation and intellectual and nervous activity. Okay. All right. Um, So it's basically an organ. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Okay. Now I'm going to tell you the definition of the mind. You ready? Okay. Okay. The mind is the element of a person that enables them to be aware of the world and their experiences, to think and to feel the faculty of consciousness and thought. And is that happening in the brain? (laughs) I am the same place. I love that this is where your brain went because this is what my brain did. So I'm going, so is the mind in the brain? Is the brain in the mind? Like what's happening? Right. Okay. There is what is happening. Yeah. <laughs> so first, let me just say, I I look at this after reading many articles. <laughs> okay. That the brain is the thing that allows your mind to work. So if you think of your mind as the driver and the brain as the vehicle, I think it's like a better way to think of it or an, or an easier analogy. Does that work for you? Okay. Yep. That makes sense. Now I want to talk about the fact that in the scientific world, there is the chicken or the egg question of like, is the mind in the brain or the brain in the mind? Did the brain make the mind or did the mind make the brain? Like it would be embarrassing if I told you how many hours of YouTube videos I watched about that. (laughs) (laughs) Before we get into that, I want to bring in one other element to this. Because we're talking about the brain and the mind, and I think it's important to bring in the soul here. Yes. Okay. Because you're kind of going to be like, well, what's spirit then? Or what's soul? Or what's what's the other part? Like, we, we have a pretty good grasp on what our body is. <laughs> Maybe not. Right. I, would, I would connect the soul and the mind too, though. Exactly. Okay. So the soul is, the definition of your soul is your whole consciousness. 
Oh, okay. And so the mind is a projection of your soul. And so the, this projection is your current life. Okay. Did everyone's brains just shut off and like, wait, what? Because I had to, maybe you're smarter than me, all of you listeners, but like I had to like go through that a bunch of times in my head. Yeah. Say it one more time. <laughs> okay. So your soul is your whole entire consciousness. Yep. Your mind is one projection of that consciousness. And that one projection is your current life. Okay. I got that. You got it. Yep. So think of it like you're a soul. That's what you are. And you're projecting yourself into this current life through your mind. You have a body and you have a brain to help you experience this projection. Love that, actually. Okay. That took me four hours to figure out. (laughs) I was like, I have to be able to write this in a way that I can say it in a few sentences. But here's why I think it's important to, to like bring this up, like, and why it's an intuitive topic. It's important that we understand how we work. It's important that we understand when someone says your mind or your brain or your soul or your spirit or whatever, that you can actually make that concrete because there's a really bad, I'm going to call it habit, but I don't think it's the right word. It's a really bad habit in the spiritual self-help world to just like vague speak and like talk over things and not like actually make sense of things. Do you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Yep. So I think it's important to kind of break this down and be like, okay, I'm a soul. My soul is projecting itself or a part of itself, right? Into my current life through the mind. So that's this like projection of me. So it's this life. So remember we talked about past lives. You you can have lots of them. Those are all different projections of your soul. So those were all different minds. And the soul is sort of like the place where all of this originates. That's like the starter. Everything else comes based on what the projection of this lifetime is. Exactly. It's sort of like, it's sort of like your higher self, right? Like that's what I think of, of with the soul. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the chicken or the egg thing that scientists spend a lot of time worrying about because <laughs> I have my own theory and I want to see if you agree or disagree. Okay. I think the mind has to come first. I think in order, I don't think your brain creates your mind. I think maybe your mind quote unquote resides in the brain or works through the brain more than anything else. But I think your mind also works through your body, through your energy body. Like I think we spend a lot of time like saying like, okay, my thoughts happen in my brain and my emotions happen in my heart or whatever. But that isn't really true because some of that stuff happens in your gut. Some of it happens through the different chakras. Like, so I think this kind of weird separating which does which thing is kind of pointless. Agreed. And I also think that like coming from a scientific standpoint, even now we're still, things are still developing and we're still learning more. Like now they're saying that your gut, like your physical gut, not like your intuition gut, Mm -hmm. but not like that gut feeling, but your actual gut is now the second brain and that it's making a lot of decisions and it's it's sending out a lot of signals to the rest of your body. So that part that you said about like, I think we might be a little bit off about like your emotions don't actually come from your heart. 
like your anatomical heart. Yes. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's sort of not accurate, but it's also, I think, always evolving. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. And I also think that when I was looking up all this information, there is so much research going back thousands of years about the brain. And there is only research going back about the quote unquote mind for like, I think the first thing I found where someone was doing actual research about it was in the seventies. Really? So I don't even think we were thinking of these things as differently as we are. And that's not just like from the, you know, intuitive side of things. That's from the scientific side of things. So um, I'm sure like our ancient pagan ancestors, like those smart ass Egyptians and all, all of them, they must've been studying this. It just, for some reason it hasn't translated or didn't survive it, but right. It's really interesting to me that we haven't really separated the two and that scientists are very much like boggled by the mind. Yeah, I think that's really interesting, too, because once you put more than like 30 seconds worth of thought into it, it's pretty actually kind of easy to see that they're very different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm going to give I'm going to give everyone a controversial topic alert right here. Okay, I like it. Okay. I, I knew you'd go. To, I knew you'd be down for it. Um, I got it. So, you know, I like to do rabbit holes. You're in my mind right now through this podcast lens. So there's a lot of rabbit holes because I, I think being curious and being empathic are like two things that go very close together, like intuitive intuition and empathy and curiosity. So when I was thinking about this whole chicken and the egg mind and brain thing, I was thinking, well, the mind has to come first. And it really made me start to think, well, your body would have to be formed after that. Because from what I I sort of believe in the intuitive world is that like your body isn't just random and genetic. Like you're you're built a certain way for a certain reason. Like, does that make Mm -hmm. sense? There's some element to that. Um, And then the way that your mind works and the way that your brain works all sort of kind of align with purpose a bit. And if your mind can keep, like your soul can project different versions of you through the mind into different bodies. I'm kind of thinking when there's a, when there's a body and a mom's belly forming and there's a brain forming, the mind might not be there. Like when does the mind come in? When, like, do you know what I mean? When are you actually conscious and aware? I think you could actually like start to learn about that. If we study the mind more than just the brain. The brain, right? Not the scientific anatomical brain. Right. Exactly. I agree with you. Did you ride with me through that Heather yes. spiral? Okay. Yeah, I thought I was gonna lose it for a second and then I stayed <laughs> I stayed the course. I and I, I'm with you there on that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. A lot of people will ask me questions about like let's say that they have lost a baby, like they've had a miscarriage. They'll be like, does was that like, was the baby in there? Was that just the, like, they'll ask me these questions and I, I don't ever answer as if I know the answer to be like, cause right. I would never try to be qualified enough to say the answer. Right. Cause I don't think anybody knows the answer to that. Um, but it does sort of give me a little bit of comfort to think that like, if your brain and your mind are different, they're connected, they're weaved together that like, maybe not. Right. Maybe. I don't know. These are the questions. Right. Maybe. Right. Maybe, maybe not. But I think you're talking about 
you're not just talking about one unit. You're not talking about one thing. There are a lot of different things at play. So unless you understand all of them and how they work together, it's going to be hard to decide that. Yeah. And it, it makes the sort of pro-choice, pro-life thing, you can look at it from a bit of a different angle. Right. Exactly. Instead of asking the question, like, when does life begin? Maybe we should be asking, when does consciousness begin? Because those are different things. Exactly. Right. Like, I mean, technically, like a tree is alive. Correct. But it doesn't have consciousness. No, nor will it ever. Exactly. So there you go. Right. The rest of the Heather brain rabbit hole. Right. Well, then maybe that's why. So then, like, if you want to take it down another rabbit hole that's a little bit off course, but still the same theory is like, so maybe look into why people that are so staunchly pro-life are pro-life. And if it really is about like the humanity or if it's about the control of, of other bodies and of other people. Yeah. I, I actually watched a TikTok on this today. Mm-hmm. Because TikTok also picks up my weird algorithms because I look for smart people on there when I'm researching right. too. Um, and it was saying that we should actually be calling the argument pro-choice or anti-choice because the the argument isn't actually about life, right? right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. But that's like a, that's a, a switching of the narrative to to make one side superior and make another side feel guilty. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Play on words. Exactly. All right. So now my my rabbit hole brain wanted Mm -hmm. to understand what consciousness is and why it's such a mystery and why it seems like it's not very studied by the scientific world. Okay. Let's hear it. (laughs) So do you here's you love when I quiz you. I know it. I know that it's like your favorite thing in the world. I don't know about that. What do you, how would you describe consciousness? Because it's a, it's, I have a simple explanation for you, but like when I asked people this question, cause I was annoying this week and asked a bunch of people, they were really struggling. That is an annoying question. <laughs> <laughs> Only because it's one of those things where like, I know what it is, but it's a concept that you have to then like put into words and it all of a sudden you don't know what you're saying anymore. Right, which is exactly my point in the fall I set you up to take because <laughs> because this should be part of our vernacular. This should be an understood thing that you can say what it is. And the fact that it's not because everybody that I asked tripped all over themselves to do it, to try to answer it. And when I gave them the actual answer, were a little bit mad at me <laughs> because it's so simple. But in our brains... I'm going to blame it for myself on the fact that like the spiritual woohoo self-development world talks about consciousness in this kind of like tutti frutti way sometimes. Right. And the science world talks about it in this complicated way. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Consciousness is knowing you exist. No, that's it. (laughs) No. (laughs) See, I told you you'd be mad at me. It's simple. Self-recognition would be what I would add to that. Yeah, that makes sense. So the reason I add 
I put the Heather spin on, on consciousness is because when you think of like how conscious are, are you of that? You're, you're kind of saying like, how much are you recognizing that in yourself or how much are you recognizing that in the world? Does that make sense? Yeah. I think what I would have said if, if I had actually answered your quiz was that (laughs) I would have said that it was something about like the soul's awareness of it, like of it existing. Um, and that it's sort of, to me is like what separates us from animals a little bit, like, or not, maybe not. I think that's maybe not even true. I think there are some animals that are aware of like a pack mentality or, um, of their like existence in an ecosystem. Um, but like, I feel like humans are aware that we're, we're aware that we are humans, but we're also aware that we're having like an experience that exists for some other reason or something like that. Yes. And, and I love that. So there, there are two kind of states of consciousness that, that people look at and study in, in not just the woohoo world, scientific world also. And people are pretty much in agreement about these things, which is rare. I get excited when mm-hmm. I when like philosophers and scientists and like self-help gurus are all saying the same thing. Cause to me, yes. it's rare. <laughs> yeah, it is. And that's just the concepts of higher and lower consciousness. And so what I think what you're talking about that you'll see in animals and stuff is that like, they don't have higher consciousness, just lower. So, right. So there's that, like those different levels and that different like ability to be aware. Absolutely. Part of it. Um, I wanted to say that the reason why, why consciousness is such a puzzle and why it's really difficult. Like in the example I was giving before to be like, when does consciousness start and like, what exactly is consciousness and why we make it sort of complicated is because consciousness only exists in a first point, first person point of view. You cannot ever witness somebody else's consciousness. Yes. Therefore you can't study it. Because no matter what, you are going to put it through your own lens, your own consciousness. You're going to like file it through that. So it it changes every time it's looked at. Or even if you're just reporting someone else's experience of their own consciousness, you're hearing it through their mind's filters, their brain's filters. You're hearing it come through so many other like sub channels. Yes. And, you know, I feel like you and I know each other really well, Jay. But we still can never experience exactly what it's like for each other. It doesn't matter your level of empathy, your level of knowing the other person. We will never, no one will ever be able to see your life and your experience the way that you do. So it kind of becomes impossible to study. Right. I mean, that makes sense, which is like sort of the problem with all of this is that we're trying to measure something that's intangible through like scientific method and that's it's not possible so then like the scientific world wants to just say like it doesn't exist or it's not a big deal or something because it's not measurable exactly and and we keep looking to like understand each other's experiences and stuff and like if you can just understand that you can you can't (laughs) you can only understand someone's experience through your experience, through your consciousness, which right. is different. Like if if a movie played about your life, right? 
and it was your version of your life and I went to watch a movie about your life to see my version of your life, they would be two different movies. Yes, exactly. I can't watch yours and you can't watch mine. Right. So it's really interesting. And there's also a bunch of theories out there that consciousness, like the puzzle of human consciousness is how scientists refer to it, that it's not actually possible for our brains to figure it out and that there might be a reason we're almost like blocked from understanding it. It's a really interesting theory. Really? Yeah. I don't, I don't think that I 100% buy into the theory Mm -hmm. um, because I, I think that there could be people who have figured it out. We maybe just don't know. I can't imagine that like, information would be made super available right because it would come with some consequences or really upset some powerful people um but i think it's an interesting thing to think about that like maybe our brains have sort of a setting to make it so we can't really solve that puzzle what do you think or maybe not yet like maybe as we evolve as humans and we change our experience here maybe then more of us will be able to experience that fully. I, I agree with you. I think there are people who who have done that. Um, probably not a lot. Um, but yeah, I think maybe we're evolving to that point. Yeah, we could get there. Or yeah. you know how I love to hurt your brain and tell you time is a circle. <laughs> no, don't say it. <laughs> maybe we already know it. We just have to have it circled back to that part yet. Well, s- s- Someone should have left me a note about it or something. <laughs> future, future slash past Jamie should have left current Jamie a note about it. Well, maybe that version will hear this podcast at some point in the time circle. And I'll get a strange voicemail from someone about it. Oh, that would be exciting. That, that would be a good movie. I would watch that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk a little bit about higher and lower consciousness for a second, because I think this is interesting. So higher consciousness is things like imagination, empathy, impartial judgment, um, going beyond the self-interest. Um, it's critical in a curious way. Um, there's some ego involved here, but there's a lot less ego running the show um, in higher consciousness. Okay. Now, the word judgment is used, and I would just like to give you the word discernment. That's what they mean by judgment in this like this isn't like judging someone for their outfit. This is like putting something in a category or discerning what something is or what it will do for you. That's what that means. Just right, right, or decision making or something like that. Exactly. And then lower consciousness is considered like the reptilian brain. Have you heard people refer to it as that, or like the caveman brain? Yeah. Yeah. So this is survival. It's just me and what I need, and it is very much full of ego. Okay. Lots of empaths you hear talk about like higher consciousness, but it it actually is true that very empathic people experience higher consciousness. Um, And they actually feel sometimes physical, but most usually emotional pain around the energy of people with lower consciousness. And you'll hear Uh them refer to it often as bad vibes. Oh, really? How do you like that one? That's, I like it. It makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, Hmm. I like it. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. So there's also an interesting thing that I see in a, this is not, this is not me being like leaving myself out of this. I would include myself in, in making this quote unquote mistake. Um, where if you are saying that you are higher, more higher conscious than somebody else and like, Oh, they're lower consciousness. I don't want to be around that. It's, it's terrible that just by judging somebody like that, you're bringing yourself right smack down into lower consciousness. Uh, yeah, a thousand percent on that one. Just like when you're being super quote unquote intuitive, you're then bringing yourself into ego. Yes. Right. All right. So I wanted to add in here something um, that happened to me when I was a kid that took me a really long time to be able to understand. And I thought I would add it in here in case there are any other empathic, intuitive people listening who had this experience. And it has to do with consciousness. Okay. Story time. Story time. (laughs) It actually has to do with the consciousness of animals. Okay. Okay. So I love that you brought that up because it perfectly brings me into this story. So when I was a little kid, I was incredibly intuitive. Not much has changed, but like it was thinking that when you're a kid where it's like this wild form of intuition that you have no understanding for. And I didn't, I didn't have anybody around me that like could give me any help with it. So it was mostly just me like trying to figure out what the heck was going on for me. <laughs> Yeah, you're just winging it through intuitive life. Exactly. So one of the things that used to bother me was the energy of animals. And this was really interesting because I, as an empath, naturally love animals and want to protect them and connect it with their energy. But then I would end up feeling really like like bad energy, that like bad vibes feeling when I was around them or trying to connect with them. And I couldn't figure out what it was. I, of course, thought it was something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. Of course. But what I was actually picking up on is that animals, and the example, the memory that I have is doing something with birds, um, that animals have only lower consciousness. So they're not flying around thinking like, how do I make the world better for that animal, that bird family over there? (laughs) (laughs) right and it it read to me as a kid as bad vibes as like as like icky energy and I couldn't figure it out but most animals really just operate on survival so why do we read like a lower consciousness as a bad vibe is that us putting our ego into it or is that um why does it read like that Awesome question. So it reads like that because it, it's very singular and it's very um, it's very lower chakra only. So it's sort right. of like if you're if you were with somebody who all they were doing was like, I just need to get food for myself. Like they just ordered a pizza for themselves and didn't ask you for any. Like oh, I just need to get this for myself, and it would feel selfish. That's like a weird word that we have, right? Okay. But there doesn't feel like there's any empathy or consideration, which isn't actually true. It's not like a hundred percent lack of those things, but Mm -hmm. everything is very much driven from that, that piece of somebody who's just looking out for themselves. So the example that I found 
that I, that I like is that like, if you went to save someone who was drowning, they would dr- probably drown you to survive because the only part of their brain going as they're drowning is trying to get air and they're not trying to drown you. They're not thinking like, Oh, let me drown this person to be able to live. Right. It's that same feeling and people who spend more time in higher consciousness and a lot less time in lower read lower as bad, but it isn't necessarily bad. It's just quote unquote lower. It's just so different than how you are used to perceiving the world and perceiving energy. I also think this is a Heather theory. I also think that empathic people by nature feel a bit of fear around that because that sort of energy has probably led to their demise in many past lives. Yes. I was just going to say, it probably feels very unsafe um, that you're looking out for someone who you don't think is looking out for you. Yes. So, so I think all of that goes in there, but I also think this is hard for me to say, I also think that when you have someone who has a very different opinion than you about anything and they're coming at you with their blocked out, I'm not, I'm only thinking of myself. Maybe it's Mm -hmm. out in the form where it feels racist or it feels like misogynistic or whatever. And you're just like, how can you be thinking that way? That maybe that's the wrong question. And maybe it's like, well, if you're the one with a higher consciousness, then maybe you should step back and either choose not to be around that or to activate how you know they feel. Excellent point. (laughs) And I think that that's hard. I think if we have people out there, which I know we do, we have people listening that are um, just sort of dipping their toes in intuition and empathy and all this stuff, it this is the this is the empath trap of wanting to save everybody. Yes. Right. Because you know what it feels like. I mean, you're not thinking, oh, I'm I'm operating at a higher consciousness than you. I must save you. It's not like that. But you're like, why can't you see this? This is we should care about everybody. We should love everybody. You shouldn't be homophobic. You shouldn't be racist, whatever, whatever. But that is the part of the empath that wants everyone to feel that that goodness, that, that inclusion, that the safety of that higher consciousness where everyone can be safe and in tune to themselves, but it's not your job to save everybody. Yes. So perfectly said. And, you know, coming at people with your higher consciousness speak who are clearly in a lower consciousness state is not going to achieve anything. No, you're no. And you're not you're not going to have them, you're not going to raise them up to your like, quote unquote, high vibe. If anything, you're going to get dragged back down to their low vibe, because that's all they feel safe operating at. It's not that they're bad people. I mean, I'm not going to make any excuses for racists or homophobes or anybody like that. But like, if someone that you're interacting with has like, it feels like they have maybe like yucky energy or something like that, you don't, you don't just like smother them with love and goodness and intuition. They, that's something they have to do on their own. You can lead by example. You can shine that lighthouse to lead them the right way. But like, it's it's not your job to fix everybody. Yes. Perfectly said. Beautifully stated. It's not your job to fix everybody. And it's also not a healthy thing to engage in a lot of 
who's right fights. If it's with somebody who can't think the same way that you do or have the same level of awareness that you do, it's just going to end up with two people feeling miserable. Right. Exactly. And then you're, and then you're both working in ego. Then you're both like, I'm right. No, I'm right. No, this is wrong. Oh, that's wrong. And nothing gets solved. So call people out on their bullshit. I'm not saying don't, don't like come for the fight, come for it. Like totally. But think about your tactics. Think about like, listen to how someone's speaking and what they're talking about and go like, what, what, maybe what level of consciousness is this person at, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. We could go, I could go on and on for about this forever. (laughs) Same, but we'll, we'll reel ourselves in for the benefit of everyone else. (laughs) Yes. We'll be right back after this short break. Hey, Jamie, do you know what goes really well with listening to a podcast? A great cup of coffee. Yep. And if you're local to South Shore, Massachusetts, you've got to check out Restoration Coffee. They're a specialty coffee shop that's been voted best coffee on the South Shore numerous times. And they offer more than just a great cup of coffee. They have specialty lattes, breakfast and lunch options, a cool vibe, and a really friendly staff. And if you're local or not, you can also order their beans, which are roasted in-house, by the way, and have them shipped anywhere. Yes. I'm going to go grab myself an Americano. No, grab me a Rachel with oat milk. That's my favorite latte. All right. You got it. And you know what, Jay? The owner is also really hot. Um, you should know you're married to him. <laughs> All right. Visit restoration-coffee.com. That's restoration-coffee.com. And tell them that the intuitive girl sent you. Okay. So I think I have this example. This is a, again, this is a Heather example, but I think it's, it's helpful because as somebody who has spent many years of her life running different sort of like workshops and retreats and, and speaking in front of large amounts of people, I have developed very like quick way and sense of like how to see where people are in consciousness, how to like give examples of that. So I figured I would, I would give you an example of a kind of an experiment I've done through the years. What do you think? Yeah. Okay. So let's say there's a bunch of people, just picture a bunch of people in a room with you. I know it's COVID, so it's probably hard to think of, but like, remember back when you could be together. I want you to picture me in front of this group of like mismatched people like all over the place that's what i that's what i attract is like people who like drink the kool-aid and people who think the kool-aid's bullshit all for some reason like to listen to me i don't know why (laughs) this is true i can testify to that okay so what i'll say in that in that setting is i want you to take a minute i want you to close your eyes i want you to take a deep breath and i want you to think about how you are just like that tree outside Okay. Okay. You will tell in an instant the people who operate in higher consciousness, the people who operate in lower consciousness, and the people who are sort of caught in between and trying to elevate. It will, you don't even have to say a word. You can just open your eyes and watch the crowd, and you will know exactly where everybody goes. Okay. Why? What are you doing? Okay. Let's start with the higher consciousness people. Okay which you are, and you guys can't see Jamie, but when I asked the question, she got like kind of excited and sat up in her chair and leaned forward and smiled. 
Okay. So higher consciousness people love this question. And the more experienced of a higher consciousness person you are, meaning the more sort of things you do to like increase that feeling and to, to have higher consciousness, the more you already know that this is going to feel really good to do. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So the higher conscious people are excited and they're immediately connecting their energy to the tree. And they're thinking about all the ways that they are the same as the tree. They're thinking about the lessons the tree can give to them. They're imagining themselves hugging the tree. They're, they're having visions of a past life where they walked by the tree. They're on their, they're on the train and they're happy and their energy feels grounded and good because they know the tree's grounding them. Okay. There was someone driving in their car right now that was like, I was just hugging the tree. <laughs> exactly. These are my people. I love these people so much. <laughs> then you have the people, and these tend to be the people who got brought with the higher consciousness people. Like the higher conscious person was like, I want to bless my husband or, or whatever. <laughs> right, right. Okay. So the lower consciousness people are sitting there and they are looking at me as if I am the strangest, wackiest human. And they have this weird smile on their face where I could tell they are completely making fun of me in their head and making jokes and thinking about there's, I'm like, not like a tree. That's a tree. I'm a person. They're immediately stuck in the fact that there's differences and they do not understand why any human being would want to think about how they're a tree. Yes. I know that people trapped in between these two sets of thoughts as well. Bouncing people who want to do it, but feel silly doing it. Like there's all kinds of stuff going on in the middle, but I'm telling you just by body language alone, I can tell instantly where everyone in the room is. I was just going to say, I I know there are times in my life where I would have been like, Oh yes, I want to be the tree, but then been like, no, that's ridiculous. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like sort of pulling yourself like backward and forward in it. Exactly. And I think that that's, that's a great example because what I was going to say next is that we're all a combination of two, those two things, mm-hmm. we're all a combination of higher and lower consciousness. And like some days when someone says to you, how are you like a tree? And how, like, depending on how it's presented and stuff, you are just like, I can't wait to do this thought experiment about how I'm like a tree. And other days you're like, shut the F up. Like, wow, I'm like a tree. Like, get out of here. I'm not, I'm not like a freaking tree. Like, do you know what I mean? Like get out of here with your, with your hippie bullshit. Like, and you're the same person and that's okay. It just depends where you are and, and what's going on that day. So, um, I, I think it's interesting, but it, neither is better or, or worse. Right. However, when you get to a place of higher consciousness and this is studied, okay, this isn't Heather's thoughts. This is like, actually, we can find this, this, there have been studies done. People who are experienced a higher level of consciousness have a lot less stress in their life because they are much less reactionary to everything that happens. Does that make sense? Yes. I can testify to that too. (laughs) Same. So you want to seek that higher consciousness for your own health and you want to, you can't drag everybody with you, but you can sort of like like be an example of that. And like, if people can see somebody who's like, you know, less stressed, less reactionary, you know, more successful, then that's a great way to sort of like, quote unquote, advertise that for other people to put the effort into, to sort of evolve a bit. Right. The whole lighthouse theory, right? Like, exactly. Yes. So now I have a a Heather theory to this and then I'll move on past talking about consciousness for a moment. Okay. (laughs) Okay. My theory is that, 
one of the reasons that comedy, especially like stand-up comedy or sketch comedy is so healing is that it really activates both lower and higher consciousness. Because quite often when I'm watching a comedy skit or stand-up comedy, like I'm thinking like, I'm watching a lower consciousness thought make fun of a higher consciousness thought or vice versa. But in order for it to be intelligent comedy, you'd have to understand both. Yes. Are you with me on that? Yes, I am. I, I, I agree with you a million percent on that. Like you have to, it's not just a joke. Isn't truly funny. If it's just like crude, there has to be something else at play. Like you're seeing a bigger picture or you're making fun of a, a larger problem or something like that. Yeah. Like if you're, if you're going to make fun of, of like poke fun at something like meditating and you mm. don't know, actually know anything about meditating, it's not really that funny. But if, if you're going to make a joke about meditating from like a lower consciousness point of view, like, so that would be like, okay, that's kind of silly. If you understand from a higher conscious point of view, what it's like to meditate and then experience and you've tried it and you do it and you actually enjoy it the joke will actually be funny because it like crosses both of those things. Exactly. Agreed. I think that's why comedy get like really kind of moves people and like takes you to that like higher vibe place. Cause it, it sort of brings a bit of balance. Agreed. Okay. All right. That's my, that's my sketch comedy theory. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> okay. So from here, my rabbit hole brain was like, well, Okay, so we understand the difference between the brain and the mind. We understand the soul and the projection. We understand the levels of consciousness. We can kind of talk about consciousness now in a way that's not so above everyone's heads, right? Mm-hmm. Where does mindset come into this? Oh, I, I don't know now. Now <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, so mindset is a very trendy word. Mm-hmm. People love talking about mindset. I am one of those people. So I'm not, I'm, I am making fun of it, but I'm also it. So, um, your sketch comedy, your sketch comedy way. Yeah, exactly. But mindset is the real definition of mindset is the way you think or feel and how that's reflected in your behavior. Okay. I'm on board with that. Okay. I refer to it as mental attitude. Perfect. Okay. That's mindset. Mindset is pretty simple and it does have to do with your mind, not your brain. Correct. Okay. Although don't you think it affects the brain? Absolutely. I think your brain is reacting to your mindset. I think your body is reacting to your mindset. Your energy field is reacting to your mindset. Absolutely. Right. I also kind of think of mindset as like the lens through which you see the world. Yes. I love that. You like that one? Okay. All right. That's I do. Okay. All right. I take that's a heterism. Yes. All right. Put that on a t-shirt. It's a good one. Okay. So there's a lot of study on mindset, but it's new study. We haven't been studying the minds, like I said, and we certainly have not been studying mindset. I think mindset's probably, if you're going to go like, what can I take from the mind that can really help improve my life immediately? I would say mindset would be the place that you want to start. People wouldn't even really acknowledge mindset 10 years ago. I mean, I'm sure there were people, educators, therapists, things like that, that were talking about mindset, but they were, they were among a small amount of people who were doing that. That would have been like laughed at 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. They were really ahead of their time if they were doing that. Yeah. Okay. 
mindset's been broken into two categories. And as for someone who sometimes doesn't like things being too simplified, I actually really love this. (laughs) Okay. So it's, I'm sure you've heard of it. It's growth mindset and fixed mindset. Yes, I have. Okay. So the person who came up with this is Carol Dweck and it's spelled D-W-E-C-K. If you want to look her up, she's a professor. I think it's Stanford where she's a professor at. So like she's still still around doing her thing and you can find lots of like really cool videos and, and things that she's written about it. I highly recommend it if when we talk about mindset here in a minute, you're like, I could I could use some uh, some mindset help. <laughs> That's the resource I would say. Yep. And I will tell you, this is embraced. This is a rare thing. This growth versus fixed mindset is embraced pretty much across the board. Like even NASA uses it, Jay. Oh, really? Yeah. When they are hiring people, I found a whole, I I hacked NASA. Not really, but I did find, I did pretend I was applying for a job at NASA. It's fine. Hopefully NASA's not listening. Yeah, I applied. (laughs) I haven't heard back. I'll let you know. Heard back yet. No, not yet. Um, but they use um, the idea of growth and fixed to, they use different trigger things in their, the questionnaire that you fill out to see if you are growth or fixed. And they, they only hire people with growth mindsets. Really? This is nasty. This is like right. Marty McSmartingtons of the world. Right. And like tangible, super science, everything's factual type of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So let's talk about what they are. Mm. Growth mindset is um, the mindset where you believe intelligence and skill can be developed or nurtured. Mm -hmm. Okay. Fixed mindset is that you believe intelligence and skill are things you are born with. Gotcha. Okay. Everyone is a combo of both of these. Like there's nobody walking around Someone's claiming it, I'm sure, but there's actually no one walking around who's got like a hundred percent growth mindset all the time. <laughs> no, and even like the most negative of Nancy's is not always a fixed mindset. Exactly. Carol Dweck herself has fixed mindset in some things, like a person who figured this out. Like <laughs> nobody is completely one or the other. But they very much connect, in my opinion, to higher consciousness and lower consciousness. So when we talk about this, I want you to hear how we were just talking about that. Um, But I also want to mention here that there's a lot of interesting debate on nature versus nurture with growth and fixed mindset. Oh, okay. Interesting. So like, is it genetic? Is it based on the environment you grew up in? Is it like reinforced or not like, and I'm going to tell you that I I really think that it's both. Okay. So let's talk about more about what it is. And then you can sort of weigh in and let me know what you think about mindset. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the, the quickest way to figure out if somebody has a growth mindset or a fixed mindset is to present them with a problem or a challenge. What do they do? Exactly. What do they do and how do they go about what sort of mental attitude comes up in this process? All right. And so if you want to get a fair assessment, you want to present them with multiple challenges. But the the best way to do this is to put people in an environment where they know a stranger is observing them trying to solve a problem. Oh, really? Okay. Because then they're going to sort of, it, it will automatically make them want to do a better job. 
So right. it will automatically make them defend their way of thinking. So it's it's a just add that into your thought experiment when you're thinking about this. Okay. So somebody when presented with a problem, somebody with a growth mindset is going to start focusing on the process of solving the problem. Okay. They are process strategy. What tools do I have in my toolbox to solve this problem kind of people. Okay. They also might ask for resources. Okay. Oh, I don't know anything about this. Is there a book on this I can read? Is there something I can learn? Is there a YouTube video showing me this? That's the kind of things that are going to come out of a growth mindset. Like, well, I might not know, but I can develop it. Because remember, growth believes that these things are stuff that's developed. Got it. Makes sense. Okay. And also people with growth mindsets tend to go, what do I know and how can I uniquely solve this problem? All right. Does that make sense? Like they're not necessarily going to follow a formula if that formula doesn't feel like it works for them. Yep. Okay. Somebody with a fixed mindset is going to go, what do I already know and have for skills? What's the evidence I have in confronting problems like this already about my level of intelligence and my level of skill? And then I'm going to say, okay, I can solve it with what I know, or I, I can't, I can't figure this out. I don't know. Right. I suck. Yes. Immediately. Like I'm not, I'm not able to. Right. Okay. Yep. Now, again, this is not across the board. All right. You're going to, something that I think is awesome to do is to see where in life you have a fixed mindset and where in life you have a growth mindset. Right. So I'll, I'll give you an example. I think I'm a pretty growth mindset person because I am obsessed with learning new things. <laughs> right. That would make sense. Okay. But I have a very fixed mindset when it comes to certain things. And it has very much to do with the fact that I don't have a lot of confidence in them and was told at a young age that I was not good at it. Okay. That makes sense too. Just one of the things I'll give you for an example is math. Oh, math. It's always math. <laughs> I, I struggled with math. Math was difficult for me. Um, and what I learned now being 30, how old am I? 37, I think. I don't know. I'd have to do the math. I can't remember. <laughs> it's math. I can't figure it out. <laughs> I now know that I actually can do math. It's just that the approach taught in school and the way that people do it of like solve the problem and figure out the formula. That's not my strength. If you give me a formula, I can solve anything. But the right. way that math was taught, at least for, for my generation and your generation, Jay was like, here's the problem, solve it. And it was like, get to the answer. That's the, that's the thing that gives you the check mark instead of like, here's the formula. How do you do when you know the formula? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't about the process. It was about the result. Yes. So I will say things like, I'm bad at math. That's Mm -hmm. a fixed mindset statement because it's final. It's as if I can't grow at math. Does that make sense? Yep. So if I catch myself saying that and go, okay, no, how could I reword that? How could I instead say like, oh, math doesn't come super easy to me. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a, that's still a growth mindset thing to say. You don't end up shutting yourself down and stopping. But if you say something like, I can't do math or I'm bad at math, 
Now right. you're stuck in that fixed place and you won't actually grow. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So growth mindset is really valuable. And in fact, a lot of companies will like hire people with growth mindset and don't want people with fixed mindset. Like I was telling you with NASA, there are there are things that like they're looking for to see and they're they're listening to your language. Right. When we study successful people, quote unquote successful people, I know that that definition can be different, but like, let's just say people who, who experience like financial freedom and that like really love their life, we can see that they have a growth mindset. And it makes sense when you think about how a growth mindset works, that you would then be able to get yourself to the places where you feel successful. However, that, however that reads for you, that that's how you're going to get there. Exactly. So Language has the most evidence in it. And that's how people who are assessing you trying to find your mindset, not just me, I'm definitely assessing everybody all the time and language is a big part of it. But um, people who like might hire you or give you an opportunity or whatever, if you're going out into the world and, and connecting with people, they're listening for language cues on the kind of mindset you have. And if you're making a lot of statements about how you can't do something or like a, a fixed sort of finality to how good you are at certain things and, or how bad you are at certain things, then they're, they're gonna, they're gonna lean away. Right. And that's also what you, what you have to be aware of how you're modeling for your kids. If you're talking about yourself like that, that's how your children are listening to you talk to yourself. So they're going to start to develop a, a fixed mindset voice like that also, or they'll develop a growth mindset voice like that. Okay. I just need more information about this or who can, how can I get some help on this? Or what do I, what else do I need to know about this? That's a, that's a lot better of an example, like to be leading for your kids Exactly. And when you are in a place where you have a fixed mindset, you are stuck. So mm-hmm. people come to me and say, I'm stuck. They're saying, I can't get myself into a growth mindset about this. Would you help me? Mm-hmm. 100% of the time when I go, what's going on? They're going to make a statement around the area that they're stuck. That is a fixed mindset statement. I'm bad at relationships. I can't this, like, do you know what I mean? Like those are fixed. So I'm going to work on getting them into using language first and then their mind will sort of shift around to the growth mindset through language. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yep. And then to your point about kids, Mm -hmm. (laughs) all right, this will shock you to your very core, Jamie. I'm actually (laughs) certified in growth and fixed mindset, like skills and teaching them. (laughs) I'm not at all shocked by that, actually. I know. It was not, it was not an <laughs> Sarcasm, you guys. I, I, again, I like to learn. So I'm lots of like, certifications, lots of certifications. Yeah. It, it's like alphabet soup I could put after my name if I wanted to, but I'm not going to. Okay. So I'm only telling you this, not just to brag about my certification, but to tell you that like, I actually know what I'm talking about with growth mindset and fixed mindset. And because Mm -hmm. of that, I get very irritated (laughs) when I'm watching the school systems, not all of them, some of them talk about growth mindset and encourage the kids to do growth mindset, but then grade them and reward them based on fixed mindset. Ah, yes. 
Right. So like, like do this, change your thoughts, but we're not going to change our system. Yes. Let me give you an example. Now, I would also like to just put an asterisk right here and say this is not directed at teachers. This is directed more to the people higher up (laughs) who are telling the teachers how to do this in the curriculum. Like, that's who I want to hear me. Not, I'm not saying like teachers, you're doing this wrong. So don't hear it. Yeah. It's the whole, it's the whole system. Yeah. Teachers are doing what they're given to do. They're not going like, you know what, let's, let's really jumble up growth and fixed mindset for these kids. That's not happening. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) this is, this is, taken from a real life example and some of the details changed as to not give away any guilty parties. <laughs> <laughs> the identity of the innocent has been protected. Um, but with my kids school stuff, there was this whole exercise on growth and fixed mindset. And so it was a whole um, like, uh, I don't know, not chapter, but this whole like lesson plan on this. Okay. Yep. And so it was all about learning the different ones, understanding, identifying which was which. It was, it was all great. And then there was a test on it. <laughs> and the test, <laughs> the test was all about, did you get to the right answer? And you were graded based on, did you get the stuff that you just learned? Did you get the answer right? Oh, that's not how that works. See the problem? So growth mindset would be you focus on the process to get anywhere. And so if you came up with a really great process to solve a problem or answer a question, you would be, I guess you wouldn't really be graded in growth mindset to be, to be honorable. The attention and awareness, and I guess maybe the grade if you had to give one, would be given on that. And if you if you got the answer, quote unquote, wrong, it wouldn't be marked wrong. It would be like, let's talk about how we can adjust your process here to get you a better result. Okay. So have yeah. a test for growth and fixed mindset and telling kids that they should use growth mindset to learn and then giving a test where you fill in the circle for the right one. Mm-hmm. wrong is such a sling and a miss well it there it's so counterproductive to the entire point of the unit it doesn't make any sense at all yeah it hurts my brain yeah i mean i can speak i can actually speak from someone who i grew up in a very traditional public school system like you did heather and um i remember like having fixed mindset modeled for me by teachers by other students like statements like, you're just not good at math, Jamie. You're just, this isn't your thing, Jamie. Like statements like that, which are the antithesis of growing and learning and maturing and like the opposite of motivation. That's to be sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But my children go to a school that actually utilize growth mindset, teach it, teach the parents it, um, and they don't have grades. They don't have that. So like not only is the, are the lessons working with a growth mindset, but like the actual system and the structure of the school then backs that up. And I can tell you the way my children feel about learning is antithetical to the way I felt about learning. Isn't that just the perfect example, right? Right. Learning to get a particular result or a certain outcome Mm -hmm. pretty much proves that that's not the most effective way to learn. It's effective for a portion of children who are motivated by that type of 
system or a grade or that type of result, or that their learning style functions in that, but not everyone. Yeah. I can tell you, I'm a really good memorizer. And then as soon as I don't need the information, I just empty it from my brain. And that's what I did a lot in school. And I don't remember that stuff because I was never really focused on the, the process of getting there. Um, and I was lucky with math. My father was very good at math. And my father mm-hmm. is um, also really good at mindset. And mm-hmm. so when I would come home so frustrated, he would have me talk out my frustration and, and, and figure out how I process. Like, what's the process that you can get there? And we'd start there. And then he'd teach me how to do somebody else's process. You know, like right. in our last episode, we talked about indigos. It's such an indigo thing where I was like, I can't learn based on this process. I have to use my own, right? Like, but I, it's not exclusive to indigos. And it's it's that whole thing with, with school systems where it's like, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree and suddenly you have this very fixed label that you're not good at math or you're not good at science or you're not good at whatever, and you carry it with you instead of being like, oh, this one process being taught doesn't work. And I've heard you talk about like your kids' schools and how like they'll adjust the process of teaching to meet how the kid operates. And I think, oh my God, do we need more of that in the world? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's really, uh, I hit the jackpot with that, but it's it, to to know that it exists and that it's a possibility is actually sort of like a nice little sliver of hope amongst the rest of it. Yes. Agreed. Um, Oh, and I wanted to just add one more thing with this mindset Mm -hmm. business is that there's a very popular saying that I see every single day of my life. That is such an example of fixed mindset. And like people have t-shirts of this, they have it on a poster in their classrooms or like on your wall. Like it's, their quote, people have a tattooed on them. And it's the idea what? that work hard equals success. Oh, yes. I hate that. That is a, a prime example, you guys, of fixed mindset that you, right. the process, think about that. You're saying the process has to be difficult and that equals success. That doesn't make any sense. Growth mindset would tell you like, let's find a process that isn't so hard to get to. Right. That. Right. Let's find what works for you. Yeah. And then you'll be then it will be successful. That's how you measure success. But our country loves to define success with struggle. You're you are not successful unless you've struggled and overcome some awful problem that you probably shouldn't have had to have had in the first place. But you know, th- the society doesn't think you're successful unless there's some like hero's journey when really we should know how we learn best. We should know how we succeed, right? Success shouldn't be a triumph. It should just be like doing a task. Oh, I love that. Success shouldn't be a triumph. It should just be doing a task. Yes, 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 yes. And if I, if I pull us back into consciousness for a minute and I compare growth mindset and higher consciousness and fixed mindset and lower consciousness, they fit together by people with a higher level of consciousness naturally have a more of a growth mindset. Okay. And people with lower consciousness naturally have more of a fixed mindset. So you can see that you can see them go together. All right. It wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to stay in a lower state of consciousness if you had a growth mindset. Gotcha. You'd automatically move on. 
I have a question for you. Yeah. Since you brought up the last episode about the crystals, the indigos, and the rainbows. Yeah. Um, and we were also talking about is growth mindset about like nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about one rainbow child in particular and that, that, you know, generally rainbow children sometimes have a problem with emotional regulation. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so my rainbow child has a problem with regulating his emotions. Mm-hmm. And I think that that lends itself towards a fixed mindset, mm-hmm. right? Like he knows all about it. He learns about it. He has it modeled for him at school and hopefully at home um, most of the time. And, but it, I think it's sort of his default to go towards a fixed mindset because he has a hard time regulating how he's feeling in the moment. And so that thing, those feelings sort of snap him into a fixed mindset. I agree. because I see that with my rainbow as well. But what I will say I have noticed is that their default state is growth mindset, but they're yanked into fixed with the inability to sort of conform to society. Oh, Heather. (laughs) Yes. So it's not really that they're it's not that their mindset is like, quote unquote, wrong. It's that they're being pulled into this like sort of system that doesn't work for them. Yeah. So regulating emotions, kind of what we're sort of saying is having like an emotional response that like is going to effectively get you to the outcome, mm-hmm. which is fixed. So right. regulating emotions at all is fixed mindset. Gotcha. Okay. If we were really going to be in a growth mindset when our kid, this is not judgy wudgy to parents. This is, this is freaking hard. Okay. But (laughs) we're really trying to teach growth mindset to our kid who was not able to regulate their emotions. We would incorporate the inability to regulate emotion and whatever was happening into their process. Right. Like I see you're having a hard time managing this. How can we use this? What does this tell us about how this process doesn't work for you? How does you feeling this way actually help us get a better result? Ooh, love it. I'm writing it down. Okay. All right. <laughs> Good question. Um, but okay. So with the consciousness levels and the fixed and the growth, right? We can see those connections there. Um, if we can sort of like in any lo- any level of consciousness here, all right, in any whichever mindset you're in, if we sort of as a society can adjust our process to change our results, that can be the more attitude that we have. So mm-hmm. about like, okay, we want to we want to make these changes in the world. Well, the process to get to them isn't working. So let's keep adjust. Let's, let's just keep adjusting our process until we get the results we want. Because the truth is that a good process and or a good strategy equals success not hard work, not one size fits all. If we can adjust to that, I, I'm going to be cheesy and tell you, I think we can make gigantic world changes if we look at it that way. I'm sort of having a moment right now. Okay. I just, I'm I think I need, to a mic. <laughs> I need like to count to three to just <laughs> figure it out in my head. Because what you're essentially saying is that like, this country and probably on the larger scale, the world operates with a fixed mindset. Like we keep saying like this system isn't working. Like this government isn't working. This isn't working, but no one ever wants to change it 
you just are expected to cram yourself into it and to abide by it when it's really not working for the majority of people. Yeah. And if you were more focused on the process instead of a singular result, all of that would change. Right. If that's a big thing, if you went, okay, our country, I'm just going to pick a topic, um, is struggling with racism. I think that's a pretty fair topic. Okay. Um, We are not arguing about that. that, True. I was trying to pick one that like not many people could argue. Somebody will, there'll be an angry email. I'll be ready. It's fine. Um, Thank you. Yeah. I'll just delete it. That's fine. I know that's not very growth mindset of me, but I'm not interested. (laughs) So instead of going like pointing at people who are being racist, which that needs to happen too, but instead of focusing all your attention on people with a fixed mindset about that, if we went, well, what's the process that is continually bringing this to be a problem? Like what processes, what, what systems and how are they working that is keeping this in place? then by default, the other things would change. Like it would be a ripple, but we're looking at, we're trying to like reverse ripple. (laughs) Right. We're trying to like fix each individual person rather than fixing the system. Yeah. Like I was in a TikTok fight with a racist, misogynist, hurt person the other day. Like what a waste of freaking time. That's not going to change anything. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? So I'm not saying it judgy. I'm saying I do it too. But like, if we're going like, how do we make real changes? It's from the point of like, well, our process is yielding a result that we don't like. So we need to change the process. Does that make sense? Yes. It makes all of the sense. All right. That was a lot of stuff. So I say we finish this episode off here and pick up in the next episode And I want to discuss with you personality versus mindset. And then I have like a personality profile or trope um, that I want to discuss with you and how all the stuff applies. How does that sound? Yeah, it's perfect. All right. I'll see you in the next episode. All right. See ya. Hey, thanks for listening to our episode. For show notes and a place to send feedback, please visit our website, embodylove.me slash intuitivegirls. Again, that's embodylove.me slash intuitivegirls.